Welcome to Murder in the Mountains, where every week we will take a deeper look into murders or mysteries that happen on hiking trails or in mountain towns and everywhere in between. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey guys, Alexa here. I have Haley and Lindsay with me here today. Hey guys. Hi. And I will be telling them the case of the National Forest Serial Killer. So we're going to kind of start backwards uh, because it all ties together. So we're going to start on New Year's Day in 2008. Uh, 24-year-old Meredith Emerson took her dog Ella on a hike on Blood Mountain, which is in the North Georgia mountains. Um, She was a graduate from the University of Georgia. Go dogs! And she was also a blue belt in martial arts. Um, She was... Pretty much described as her friends as like a skilled hiker. She went hiking all the time. Her and Ella would go on little adventures together. Um, so when she decided to go on a hike on New Year's Day, even though it was cold outside, um, nobody was really, you know, uh, worried about that. So it wasn't until um, the next day when she didn't come home that uh, they started to worry. I think, you know, kind of like ships passing in the night. They didn't realize she wasn't home like her roommate didn't. Um but she was only reported missing as an overdue hiker. Like maybe something happened, you know, her, you know, she fell, you know, something non-sinister. Um, but as soon as the police got there, they realized um, after seeing a dog leash, dog treats and water bottles on a trail that looked kind of disturbed, that something criminal had definitely happened. So witnesses reported seeing her with an older man on the spur trail, which connects the trail to the parking lot. Um, after giving the description of the man, the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, named Gary Michael Hilton as a prime suspect. So Hilton approached Emerson and her dog on the trail, and they kind of started chatting about their dogs. He had a golden retriever named Dandy that he brought with him everywhere also. Um, so she continued on up the trail, and Hilton just hid in wait, you know, waiting for her to come back down the mountain. Um, he had a knife with him. And that was when he tried to abduct her. So he obviously had no idea that she was trained in martial arts. She began to fight him off. Um, He ended up telling police that she wouldn't stop fighting or yelling. So he had to both silence her and control her. He uh, punched her in the face and gave her two black eyes and possibly broke her nose. He also said that uh, when he punched her, he is pretty sure he broke his hand also. Um, She eventually lost her footing, and so he was able to subdue her and then drag her to his van. So he asked Meredith for the pen to her debit card, which he had taken from her. She kept giving him the wrong number over and over again, um, (laughs) so she managed to keep herself alive for four days. Um, Instead of that making him angry. She gave him, whoa, whoa. she gave him that many wrong numbers and he kept on for four days? Yes. So, were the cops, like, looking, like, for her car number to pop up different places or? They were probably, my guess would be they were keeping an eye on her, you know, phone records, bank records and everything to Mm -hmm. kind of see if there's any activity on anything. Um, On January 4th, he ended up tying her to a tree and told her that, you know, she was going to go home. He knew that was a lie. They'd been together for, like, three days. Seen her, you know, seen his face, knows his van, knows his dog, knows all this information. He wasn't going to let her go. Um, so he ended up walking back to his van, you know, just for a cup of coffee, contemplate on life. Did he feed her? Um, my guess would be yes. He kept her alive. There's 
he never said. But like happy mailbag. Yeah, you know, that'd be even worse. Yeah. So starving um, and knowing you're gonna die. Yeah, but he apparently kept telling her like, oh, you know, I just want your money. Like, I'm, I'm gonna let you go, and kind of kept that hope alive when he knew all along that wasn't a thing. Um, when he came back, she told him uh, that she was afraid that he wasn't coming back. Uh, but then he went behind her and hit her in the head repeatedly with a car jack handle until she died. He said that he couldn't bring himself to kill her dog, Ella. And that when it came to Meredith herself, he said, and I quote, it was hard. You got to understand. We spent several good days together. Great days. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner together, chatted up, you know, totally normal. So Ella, her dog, was actually found later on January 4th in Cumming, Georgia, which is about 60 miles away from where they were last seen. After he killed Meredith, he then drove to, uh, south to DeKalb County, Georgia, where he pulled into a Chevron gas station to clean out his van. A witness noticed Hilton throwing items into the dumpster. He then called the police to tell them that the man that they were looking for was cleaning out his van. Hilton's face was plastered everywhere. Everybody needed to look for him. This man was, he's like, I'm watching him. He's throwing three things into the dumpster. Like, you want me to go get him? I'll go get him. Like, want me to save the day? <laughs> Just in the lot open at a, at at a, a station. Server. Yeah. I would hope somebody would do that for me. Exactly. Right he's like, like, he said, I will tackle this <laughs> man. <laughs> and I will bring him to justice. Yeah, but if your face is plastered all over. I don't know what I would do. Why would you go in the wide open, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's been in the, you know, woods. Surely, Maybe he doesn't he know. Knows that everybody's looking for him right though. You know, you think. You would think. But he's just Sometimes like yelling. Remote, like they want people to. Kind of thrill out of it. Yeah. About it though. Like I wouldn't hop states. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't. Some he enjoyment says, out of that. Yep. Here's just, here's just doing his thing. So the dispatcher was like, no, don't get him. Police are on their way. <laughs> Um, and he saw him, he's like, oh, they got him, they got him, you know, making sure, because he's like, y'all gotta hurry, I don't want him to leave, you know, before y'all get there. Looks like he's almost done. So, luckily, the police did get there in time, uh, before he, like, started bleaching his van and everything. Um. That's not weird, putting bleach all in your van at a gas station. Super casual, just your run-of-the-mill Sunday cleaning out of the van. Mm -hmm. Um. So, luckily, he wasn't able to destroy any potential evidence. They were able to recover everything that he threw in the dumpster. Um, so, they collected blood evidence. There was some that was tested and confirmed to be Meredith, but then there were some that did not belong to either Hilton or Meredith. So, um, in exchange for taking the death penalty off the table, he asked for a deal um, where he would take life in prison in exchange for taking the police to Meredith's body. And so they agreed. So he led authorities uh, 35.7 miles down uh, south of Blood Mountain off of a remote road in Dawson Forest, um, where he buried the body. He let them know that her head wasn't going to be with her, but that he had buried it nearby in an attempt to conceal her identity. Okay, time out. So he thought taking her head off would get rid of her DNA? Yes. So, did they never find her head? So, he told them where her head was. Okay. That he, he buried it nearby. Um, but he thinks without a head, they're not going to know who she there's is. There's fingerprints. There's other DNA. I feel there's, like, though, if they found, like, if he didn't, like, bury her head, like, a million miles away, like, if it's a few miles away, like, they're going to go looking for it. I feel like right. it's common sense. Like, well, let's just go look. 
around the area. Like, like dog searching. I mean, yeah. there's obviously going to be a scent. Or a hole. I mean, if you or, didn't. You know what I mean? Like a like, shallow like, grave. Yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, somebody's been messing around here. You know what I mean? Yep. But, you know, not the smartest. So, with his part of the deal held up, he was sentenced to life in prison on January 31st of 2008. They had no idea who they actually had in custody or how many people he had killed before. So let's rewind even more um, and figure out who Gary Michael Hilton is. He was born on November 26, 1946 in Atlanta, Georgia. In 1964, when he was 17, he enlisted in the Army uh, where he underwent a quote-unquote meticulous psychological testing. Um, And it was... Uh, revealed that when he was 13, he shot his stepfather in an attempt to remove him from the family. And whether this was because he felt he was stealing his mom from him or if he was abusing his mom and he was trying to save her, I found, like, conflicting arguments on that. But either way, he shot his stepdad when he was 13. Um, And his stepdad chose to not press charges uh, for whatever reason. That's not normal. Is that really a thing? Like, if somebody shoots me... Like, can I just be like, oh, it's fine, and they don't? Yeah, do like anything? you have to press charges. Or they're just they like, can't just do it themselves. Like, like the cops can't be like, no, 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 we're pressing charges. Like they, somebody else has to do it. Well, granted, pressing charges are not your child needs to be evaluated at that point. Yeah, he like, was not sent to jail, but he was sent to like a psychiatric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like if that would have happened in today's world, like. I don't know. Uh, nowadays, that definitely would have been, been. Yeah. He would have been forced to be committed or something. Some, yeah. So, um, so even though that was uncovered, an attempted murder when he was 13, he was still accepted into the army. Um, he was stationed in Germany and his, like, the Davy Crockett pl- platoon where he was assigned. Like, their main job was handling nuclear weapons in case of a possible Soviet invasion into Germany. So, no pressure, just an attempted murder or handling nuclear weapons. Totally fine, totally normal. And if he passed it, who knows, like, who else passed that evaluation? Can you imagine that nowadays? Surely. Again. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> like, surely it's stricter to do whatever he did in yeah. those days. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't fly. Not the military or <laughs> hopefully, much, but. Yeah, you would hope. So not long into his service, he had what they called a complete schizophrenic breakdown, even though he was never, like, actually diagnosed with schizophrenia. But they said he was hearing voices and everything, so he was committed to a mental hospital. Uh, they ended up discharging him, like, with an honorable discharge instead of giving him a Section 8 psychiatric discharge. Don't know why. Don't know why. Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Dublin, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser-known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. 
I just hate when I hear like things like this and stories where like if that was different, this whole thing could would have been different. Would have been yeah, yeah. could have avoided all of that. Mm-hmm. So that was in 1967. So between 69 and 79, he married and divorced a couple times, kind of bounced around from city to city, job to job. He started working for John Tabor. Um, I saw some of those in the early 2000s, some in 1997. Either way, started working for John Tabor. He uh, helped him with his home signing business, um, and Tabor also gave him a place to live on one of his properties. So not long after he started working for Tabor, Hilton was prescribed Ritalin, even though he did not have ADD. So I don't know if he was misdiagnosed, and maybe they thought he had ADD, but he didn't, and so it caused an adverse reaction. Either way, after he started taking that medicine, it caused him to become angry and confrontational. So in September of 2007, he violently threatened uh, John Tabor and demanded he give him like $10,000, because everybody just has that laying around. (laughs) So Tabor was like, no dog, not giving you $10,000. Did he um, ask for his debit card? He did not ask for his <laughs> debit card. He demanded way more. Maybe this is where that began, him not yeah, asking. He's exactly. Like, That's a good just little foreshadowing hard. there. So, obviously, Tabor fired him, and it was like, I'll say you're not living on my property anymore. So, now he had no job and no home, so he loaded up his dog, Dandy, and headed uh, north towards North Carolina, where he ended up in Pisgah National Forest, which is near Asheville. Wonder what made him want to actually come to that spot. Like just, I yeah. just wonder, like in general, like at like trails, like, like you're not maybe because even they're from, desolate, and you're like, oh, I can probably just pick somebody off, and I don't know, I, I feel like I would just people. go to like a, I don't know, a homeless guy or something. I guess the homeless people don't have money. If you <laughs> were a serial killer, not that I am. <laughs> I don't have any money either. Like, I would definitely go. Poor. That's also a good point. Homeless people don't have money, which is what he is going after, basically. So on October 21st, 2007, Irene and John Bryant, who had been married for 58 years, decided to go for a hike in the Pishka National Forest. They often went on long hikes and walks together. They went overseas and, you know, went on vacation and adventures together. And John had actually completed the entire Appalachian Trail before. So... After nobody heard from them for a few days, one of the couple's sons reported them missing on November 1st. So it wasn't abnormal for them to kind of go MIA because they did go on adventures impromptu, you know, let's just do this, let's just do that. Um, So their, you know, mail was piling up, this and that, but the neighbors were like, oh, you know, John and Irene, they're probably just off on an adventure somewhere. Those two. <laughs> but their son was like, uh, I haven't been able to hear, you know, get in touch with them at all. So let's just kind of see what's going on. So the police pulled their phone and bank record to see if there had been any activity on either of their accounts. And it was discovered that Irene had attempted to make a 911 call um, at 4 p.m. on October 21st. But due to lack of service or something, the call never connected to a dispatcher. So their um, phone provider also could not provide GPS coordinates on the call. Also, I'm guessing because maybe there wasn't service and they couldn't get like a ping or something. I'm not sure how that works. One time, like they have to like, I don't know, I might have been watching like a made up show, but I think they have to be like actually talking to somebody for like some like for seconds. it to connect yeah yeah for them to get like i know that yes. like when the police track them they have to like be on the phone for a certain amount of time yeah. before they can like mm-hmm. triangulate their location yeah yeah maybe it's the same thing i'm not sure so on november 9th the body of 84 year old irene bryant was found only 100 yards away from their car where she and her husband had parked uh, for their hike an autopsy revealed that she died of blunt force trauma to the head and also had trauma to her arms and legs so after murdering irene hilton kidnapped 81 
21-year-old John Bryant and violently forced him to reveal the pin to his debit card. He then drove over an hour away to the Nanahala National Forest where he shot John in the head with a 22 Magnum. And they didn't find his body until February 2008 after he was arrested for Meredith's murder. And they found out, you know, that he was the culprit. So after he killed John... He is seen on a security camera at a bank in Ducktown, Tennessee, using Bryant's debit card to withdraw $300. That's crazy. So 300 bucks was definitely worth killing this elderly couple, minding their own business, just enjoying their golden years together on a hike. I just feel like it's a lot of trouble to get a debit card. You know, like, could you have not just, like, tied them to a tree and, like, taken their card and ran it as credit? I don't know. I don't think you can withdraw <laughs> money. Oh, with unless you have like it cash back. Yeah, you know, can you just number. go to Walmart and get your things and skedaddle? I don't know. And run it as credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good point. You could get I'm beer. Just, I mean, it's you could get like whatever you want or whatever anything, he wanted. So. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. but he was killing the women before the men. Which is awesome. Well, this is the only couple that he killed, and it is well, odd that you would not just shoot the husband who's stronger and then go get him for out the life. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I wonder who would be more likely. Took them both at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, Mm -hmm. they were older, but so maybe he thought he could overpower them. I don't know. So um, after his arrest and Meredith's murder, um, blood evidence consistent with John Bryant's was found in his van. So that was the unidentified blood that was found. So they knew like he had done this before. He was transferred to North Carolina to stand trial, and he was sentenced to four life sentences in April of 2013. So, obviously, he didn't get the bleach Did and not get rid get of the, the blood at the gas station. Yeah, I don't know where he tossed their stuff or why he didn't try to bleach after he killed John. Maybe he didn't know that John's Maybe blood was, was in there. Which is probably not that good at cleaning, too. I'd say yeah, I don't probably, feel like he knew at this point that he could get all of it. I mean, out. yeah, I feel like he just kind of was just bad at Like, his. my guess would be he shot him, like, in the forest and probably didn't know maybe some got on him. Or if he punched him in the van or something, he didn't see that one spot that they found. I feel like they go ham, too, when they're looking for this. Like, every little crack and crevice and... Yeah. I'm looking everywhere. Yeah. So after he killed the Bryants in October of 2007, he headed down to Florida, where on December 1st, he ended up kidnapping Cheryl Dunlap from the Apalachicola National Forest, where she was just reading, just hanging out, again, minding her own business, getting some peace and quiet. She was reported missing the next day um, when she did not show up to teach her Sunday school class. So she also had plans with her friend, like dinner plans, the night that she went missing. And she just didn't show. But her friend was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you know, like you try to rationalize. Maybe yeah. her phone died. Maybe she's tired. Maybe like, this. Maybe that. I feel like the next time my friends like ditch me for dinner, I'd be like, where hiking? are you? <laughs> just answer me. I'm not mad that you didn't show up. Just tell me you're alive. Yes, please. And then when she didn't show up to teach her Sunday school class, also, they were like, okay, something's definitely up. So on the days following her abduction... Hilton used her debit card to withdraw money three times. On December 15th, so that's about like two weeks after she went missing, a hunter found the remains of a body that had no head and no hands. Again, he was thinking, I'm going to get rid of any sort of identifying factors. But they took a sample of her thigh tissue and that was used to uh, 
confirmed that it was hers. So has he like said like that is like literally the only reason I chopped their head off, or does he like have this weird fetish with just yeah? Just so he said he off. did it to try to like stall, you know, like oh they oh that definitely looks like Cheryl Dunlap. Like if they were to yeah. stumble upon her body like next day and it wasn't decomposed, little like, did he know DNA's throughout the body. <laughs> exactly. It's not just in your fingerprints or your dental I records or your like, face. It wouldn't really matter if they found out who the person was as long as he didn't leave any DNA behind. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't waste time just chopping off your head. Again, not that I would kill anybody. I'm just saying. I mean, that's a good point. Like, they wouldn't have no way to link it to yeah. him. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good point. Unless he, you know, was just leaving blood in his van. And, <laughs> you know, leaving links it. that he didn't even know were linked to him. <laughs> The medical examiner also stated that she could have been alive anywhere from two days to a week after her kidnapping, and they could not determine a cause of death. So a few weeks later, on January 9th, a head and hands were found in a fire pit seven miles away from where the body of Cheryl was found. But due to burn damage, no DNA was able to be recovered, and they were never uh, technically confirmed to be Cheryl's. But what are the odds that you find a head and handless body, you find head and hands in a fire pit? Wonder who's you know, are. yeah. Put two and two together there. But also makes you wonder, why didn't he just burn the bodies? If you were concerned about DNA. <laughs> I feel or like identifying I, or something. Yeah, I feel like another weird thing is like, just imagine like minding your own business, camping with your family and bam, hands and a head. Yeah, you you're like, I mean? oh, this looks like a but I'm not real <laughs> question mark yeah. is it an that animal day? or a human I'm gonna call the police or like your kids like look what I found out yeah. <laughs> or your dog brings Put it yeah exactly yep. so multiple witnesses reported seeing Hilton in the area the days around her disappearance and a bayonet was recovered in his van after his arrest at the Chevron gas station and it was a match to the marks found like from the instrument like used to flatten Cheryl's tires so after his arrest in Georgia, he was transported to Florida to stand trial for the murder of Cheryl Dunlap, and he was sentenced to death in April of 2011. So there are also a couple of cases that are linked to Hilton, but he's never been charged and he's never confessed to them. So they're just kind of like this may fit his MO. Um, the first one is the case of Rusana Milani. She disappeared from a hiking trail in Bryson City, North Carolina on December 7th of 2005. So at the two-year anniversary of her disappearance, they're like showing, you know, anniversaries, this, that. Do you have any tips? Call us. Um, a store clerk reported seeing her in a store with an older man that matched Hilton's description. The man told the clerk that he was a traveling preacher, that he went to campsites along the Appalachian Trail and just kind of preached to people. The clerk also reported that while they were purchasing some set of backpacks, some set of sleeping bags, some set of clothes, they bought something, um, that Rosanna looked extremely nervous. Um, and that was the only lead the authorities have in her disappearance. They've still never located her body, have no other leads or anything. Um, but that would also explain, like why he would kill them first and then take their debit cards instead of taking them with them to use the debit card, I guess. <laughs> like, maybe he changes them out like, oh, she obviously looks like she's distressed. This isn't natural. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So the other case that's often linked to him is uh, Michael Scott Lewis. He disappeared November 22nd, 2007, just days before Cheryl Dunlap was murdered. And this was like in the same vicinity, like region as where Cheryl disappeared. His torso and arms and legs and feet were found in separate garbage bags in Tomoka State Park on December 6th. His head has never been found. But DNA evidence was sent off to try to connect Hilton to Lewis, but those results have not been revealed to the public. 
So I don't know if they're trying to build a case, if it came back, nothing. So they didn't say anything. Nobody knows. But in 2018, Michael Scott Lewis's ex-girlfriend, Nelsie Tetley, was arrested for murdering and dismembering her current boyfriend, Jeffrey Albertson, in July 2017. So he was shot in the head and chest. Um, his torso was found in the house, but his arms and legs were found 20 miles away. So very similar. And what are the odds that one woman dismembered two boyfriends or she just dismembered one and the other was a total freak accident, you know, by somebody else and he was chopped up too. Not saying she did it. No links have been made. Something to think about. <laughs> so she's never been charged or anything with his death. Um, that is the story of Gary Michael Hilton, the National Park Serial Killer. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. It really helps out. And come back next week for another episode of Murder in the Mountains. Bye!